The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 174th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing? Dude, I'm great. I didn't realize how close. I mean, 26 weeks is still a long time. It's like half a year. But we're getting... we're. We're creeping up on 200. Yeah. We're going to have to do something stupid big for 200. I'm like, like, there, yes. It's like stupid big for 200. And you've been my most consistent host. I don't, I don't even know how long it's been. But I feel like we've done it like at least 80 episodes or something. Since, like at, least tw- since at least 2020, I know. Yeah. And it's that. So, yeah. I didn't like, you said it, and then it's like, good Lord. That's not too far away from 200. So, yeah, we're going to have to do a bunch of updates. We're going to have to get some guests on here. And some... For sure. Yeah. So, uh, but no, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we are in my favorite time of the year. If you follow me on at Floyd Johnson Jr., you will know I love Christmas. I am not a Christmas freak. I am not like Clark Griswold. I am not. But I do have a healthy love and respect for this time of year. Uh, Santa Floyd likes to come out, and uh, there is this uh, adrenaline, dopamine, serotonin. I don't know which one of those chemicals was right for the experience I have that I get from giving a gift and somebody getting it and then opening it, and it's the right gift. It's the perfect gift. I like. I don't like. Like I'll. I'll look at someone's list, but I don't like it. I. I think if you give a great gift, you've built a relationship person with a person. You talk to the person. You know what they like, and you're gonna get them something uniquely from you to them. You know, and it's just like that moment when you do get the right gift, and they they smile or whatever. It's like the greatest moment ever. I'm also an impatient gift giver. Uh, like, so when I get a gift, I bought the gift and I want you to have it now. I know you need to wait, <laughs> but I want to, to tell you what it is and for you to have it now. Cause I, I know that feeling like your gift. I am so like, I've had your gift for a <laughs> while. I am so antsy for you to get your gift. 
I shouldn't be, <laughs> like, because it's yours, but I am so antsy. It's like, I am impatient. Like, if you get, you say, hey, here, Floyd, here's your gift. Don't open it at Christmas. No problem. Have no problem waiting. But I want you to open your gift. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> I am terrible about you this. Need, you need to get that experience of, like, what my reaction is going to be. Yes, I need to know that what you enjoy. So, like, yeah. So, uh, I just, it's like I said, it's my favorite time of year. I love cheesy Christmas movies. I love good Christmas movies. I love uh, all of them. I don't like bad, I mean, well, only Christmas movie I don't like. And I only reluctantly say it's a Christmas movie because of the groundswell is Die Hard. Because I, I think Die Hard is an amazing, amazing movie. I think Die Hard is the action movie, and so many people have stolen from Die Hard, right? The Rock did the Skyscraper movie, which is basically a Die Hard ripoff, right? Don't get right. me wrong. Die Hard, perfect action movie. 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, whatever rating you lose, it's perfect. It's not a Christmas movie. So you're on that side of the, of the argument. Which is fine. It was just fine. But I do think if you want to watch Die Hard at Christmas and that's how you experience Christmas and you have a joy for Christmas, watch Die Hard till you're blue in the face. Watch it all the time. If that wants to make you happy, watch it. Only thing I have is I think most people pick Die Hard to try to be contrary. Okay. I don't think they like it really as a Christmas movie. It's just they don't really like Christmas movies, so <laughs> they say Die Hard because it's the least movie, it's the least Christmas movie that happens at Christmas. But hey, I this year I've decided to take a year off of arguing that point and just say <laughs> everybody enjoy what they enjoy. You know the sign that just says just enjoy wrestling? I wish I had one that says just enjoy Christmas movies. Whatever you consider your Christmas movie, if you want if you want to go see Krampus and that's your Christmas movie and you want to uh, see movies where everybody die at Christmas, hey, enjoy. Just because that's what time of year it is. I'm accepting it this year. Next year, around November, I will be back to my feisty arguing self. But I decided to take this year off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to hear that. Um, I am doing well as well. I'm, I'm mostly just on the high on the fact that the USA is in the knockout stages of the World Cup. Let's freaking go. I'm so gassed. I'm pulling for these guys to be able to make a nice push in the World Cup because, I mean, hell, a couple years, a few years ago back in Russia's World Cup, we weren't even in the goddamn thing. Yep, four years. Every four years I have to deal with this time of year. Briefly, people, <laughs> people pretend to care about, like, the eighth hey. most- the eighth most popular sport in America. Hey, yeah. I have I have an actual soccer club that I support. It's Arsenal. And I yes, I have a soccer a club I support too. Fulham, baby. Tony Khan. What's okay? Up? All right, yeah. I got you. I got you. Your TK, but. what's up? No, but uh, no, I I I don't care about soccer at all. I, I just like I said, it's just in America. I mean, hey, you have a soccer team, and it's like. I'd say one out of ten people I know actually like watch soccer other than at the World Cup. But dude, when the World I'm Cup, one of those one. Yeah, dude, when the World Cup comes around, everybody loves soccer, and it's just like it's more so just because again, my favorite chant uh, that US fans have done is when they played England and they just chanted "It's called soccer" at England fans, and the fact that they tied us was 
like getting a draw against England shouldn't be something that we're proud of, but it is. Oh, but I love God, it. I would be so embarrassed if I was England. I would just walk around with my head in shame because if we went over there and played American football and an English team even scored on an American team, we it, it would be the end of the world. Because, oh yeah, or if. Or if somehow England ever beat the America in basketball, oh my God, heads hanging down low. Don't look at an English person in the eye today because you should be in shame. So I can only imagine with the basically the national sport. I mean, it is the most important thing in England is that sport in America, where like I said, six or seven somewhere down there, and it's like we come in. And tie you. We shouldn't. You should have beat the crap out of us, but you didn't. But you didn't. So I'm I'm just r- riled up about that. But um, yes, thank you guys so much for keeping uh, in check with us. I know we put out our last episode where we covered full gear, literally after AEW Dynamite in Chicago. So we were only able to touch on a couple things. But this is your official review of the Thanksgiving uh, Dynamite and uh, Black Friday Rampage that we're going to be talking about this week. So again, thank you for the patience. We really appreciate it. So we got a lot to get to with this show. But before we get into it all, we want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. And you can also leave a rating and a review if you feel so inclined to let us know how we are doing. But the easy way for you guys to support us is following us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And first, we have a big news of the week, and I want Floyd to go ahead and take uh, this little topic right here to give a big shout-out to this guy. This is in-house. By the time this show comes out, it'll be the day after his birthday. But I want to give a shout-out to One Nation Radio's own. Mr. Joshi himself, I don't think people, he likes people calling him that, but he's still good. His name's James Boyd. Happy birthday, James. He's old. He's getting older. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, seriously, if you ever want to know about stardom wrestling, make sure you're watching One Nation Radio. I like, I, uh, there are two people, like, my friends with Social Suplex, uh, just in their group chats on Facebook, I have gotten so so much more educated as a fan on the different types of wrestling, different types of wrestlers out there, styles, you know, what different people like compared to me. Like, such much, much so much more of a well-rounded wrestling fan just being part of Social Suplex. So I'm going to tell you, if you are a wrestling fan and you want to expand your horizons and broaden and know more stuff, make sure you are checking out the show's on the social suplex, One Nation Radio, keeping the strong style, are definitely the heads of this ship. Of course, listen to us, all things elite. But yeah, make sure you are tuned in to the social suplex shows. And I want to give one more shout out to uh, the AEW match guide, uh, Sir Sam. He was uh, he did his last episode of the AEW match guide just. You know, life got busy and stuff. I appreciated the show. A, you know, AEW is very close to both of our hearts. So every week he would go through another great match in AEW history. I got to relive it by listening to people talk about it. So make sure you're still checking out his show. The great thing about his show, even though he might have stopped doing it, 
like all those matches happened and the people talking about them happened. So there's not like, oh, well, I have to listen to the show right now or it's not fresh. No, these are matches that are happening. The um, opinions are still good. So keep downloading the show. Maybe we can spike his numbers and get him to come back. All right. I will also give a quick shout out to my good friend, Security Sam. I know you're not doing well right now. I know you're still hurting. I know it's because y'all thought you were going to drop 50 on Michigan and you didn't. You got spanked. Uh, and I just want to extend my love to Security Sam. He works hard. He's a badass. He's amazing. But I need him to understand you don't own the Big Ten anymore. That's no longer your conference. That weirdo in his khakis, he owns the Big Ten Conference now. And you learn to accept it and go on about your business. Go blue. Anyway. I think Ryan Day got one more year before he's fired. Ryan Day, yeah. I think, is broken. Honest to God. I think he like that entire school got broken in that second half. Without Blake Corum, without their best player, y'all got spanked you should feel so bad yeah uh that's that's nice uh shout out to my florida state seminoles nine and three (laughs) nine and three three. uh i'll take it i mean hey it's baby steps And, and you know everyone says it's baby steps but dude that nine and three is a gigantic step from where we were last year we were sure. five and seven. We were five and seven last year, and we were barely five and seven. So oh, nine and three, big old, big old jump. So shout out to them. Congrats to your Michigan Wolverines. Harbaugh is like, so when I watch football, I like you know scoring, blah blah blah. But when I build my team on Madden, or I build my team on college football, I know it's been a for a long time. I always build my teams as big physical running teams. I pretty much build them in the Jim Harbaugh way. And based on when he was with the 49ers, and he'd be running three tight ends and all these different types of offense. And he he basically took the NFL back years because he just said, you know what? I know everyone is out here trying to chunk the ball. I'm just going to put up 350-pound guys. I'm going to get 300-pound tight ends, and I'm just going to run the crap out of it and leave beat you into submission. And he did that. He did that at San Francisco. And then he came to Michigan. He's like, you know what? Everybody's like, everybody's going spread and wide out and throwing it. No, no. Michigan said, no, we're going to eye formation. We're going to go single back and we're just going to beat you into submission. And then and I will I, firmly, I will firmly say though, it took Harbaugh a while. And I will firmly say somebody, I do not like Jim Harbaugh. I respect him, but I don't like him. But these past two years, he has come out and he has genuinely changed the entire perception of Michigan football and has brought genuine success to Michigan football that they haven't seen in years. Ohio it took like four or five years, but he finally got it right. Ohio State threw nine in a box and Michigan just threw over the top of them. And it was beautiful. And, you know, it was a great game, especially somebody I don't, you know, I only root for Michigan because of because of the summer with that's it other other than that 
honestly well, never cared who won between Michigan and Ohio State. But I root, I root for them because my people like them. And so yes. Michigan uh, went out. I was happy for you and your family and got the dub. It well, sucked. Well, we're a, house divi- we're a house divided, though, because uh, Michigan State, we got my sister and my mom on that side of things. Yeah, it, it sucks. Your dad had to work during the game. Oh, my God. He was losing his mind. It's a holiday. It should be a holiday in Michigan. Should, he should at least get he should at least get it off for the Big Ten championship game or when they eventually go to the college football playoffs. He needs that off. The game should be a holiday. You should be able to show that you went to Michigan or from Michigan. You should get the day off. I don't care. It shouldn't require that. Like, it's the game. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like I of course, my rivalry is Florida, Florida State, Florida State, Miami, OU, Texas, all those. But only one is called the game. So I don't and, know. yeah, absolutely. It, it should be a national holiday. It should be enshrined. I need Joe Biden <laughs> to get this done. Everybody should be off. I was so disappointed. I was disappointed. Like my heart broke for your dad not being able to be at Michigan. Watch Michigan. I think, he, I think he's just more so happy about the win. Of course, of course, he's happy about the win. But you know, you get to sit home with your bowl of chips or whatever he eats during the game and watch your team just bully Ohio State like the second half just had to be damn near orgasmic for Michigan fans because it wasn't close. <laughs> it, no, was, it, it was was over. It was hey, not. It was over. So, I, I, yeah, that's a, just a great position to be in. So I tip my hat to Harbaugh for putting his culture in Michigan. And a lot of people's like, oh, you're antiquated. You're 80s, 90s style. It's never going to work on a major. You're not going to be able to recruit to this style of offense. And he just did it his way, and it got there. And you know what? In Michigan, credit to them, sticking to him. A lot of teams fire their coaches before they get a chance to get their culture in there the right way. They stuck with Harbaugh probably because they were paying him a crap ton of money, but they yes. still stuck with him. And, you know, they're paying benefits. This playoff- It's hysterical, too. He took a pay cut and then all of a sudden started winning. Yeah, like because he knew he would bet on himself playoffs this second year in a row right dude yeah that's pretty impressive so yep first undefeated season since i was born in 97 when they last won the natty yeah but anyways anyways been... i know this is not college football but i yes. just i love football I, I absolutely i don't think i can do a college football podcast but i can talk for like hours upon hours about college football <laughs> if we did a podcast about football it would last three hours yes. but we're not going to go down that road Let's get into AEW Dynamite in Chicago at the Wintrust Arena where we open things up with William Regal in the middle of the ring and talked about how Mr. Friedman, um, I know y'all want to hear from him, but you can't because he doesn't have time to come places to, to come to places like, and he looks over to his side like, where are we? Chicago, Chicago. Uh, fans start just booing Regal, re- just getting after him. Fuck you, Regal Chancer, flying around the wind trust arena. And he said he's now in the middle of a major motion picture, as we all know with the movie that's coming out. Super excited about that with the Von Eriks. Like, oh, it's going to be such a good movie. I'm so excited. Um, but he said, listen, you all want to know what the union is between myself and MJF? And a number of weeks ago, I can tell you, I sent an email to MJF. You will not be privy to that e- email until next week when MJF is on Dynamite to explain himself when you hear from the new world champion, the devil himself. And then that is when John Moxley's music hits. 
He walks out, just seething. And he gets into the ring. And as he gets into the ring, Brian Danielson sprints in, blocks him off, and is just holding him back from Regal. And he's like, listen, 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 listen. I don't know why he did what he did. He did a bad thing. We've all done bad things. I've done bad things. You've done bad things. But listen, listen. He's got a bad neck. He's got all he's got all these physical problems. Like ser- he, he's do not hurt him. Just don't hurt him. And then Danielson just out of nowhere slaps Moxley in the face. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And like, and then Moxley again, just continuing to see that while he's just like pacing, basically. He's like, listen. Don't block the block the fans out. I don't care if they're booing. Don't listen. Do you know what the struggles that you've dealt with? All those things. My dad struggled with those same things. And but this is more than wrestling right now. So when my dad had those problems, I didn't understand why. Only one person taught me why my dad went through those struggles, and it was that man, William Regal. Because of him, I was able to understand my dad's struggles. And for the last ten years of my dad's life, before he died. I was able to love him because of this man. Now, just imagine like you having someone teach your daughter to love you despite your struggles. And he's like, "Listen, like well, we understand he did a bad thing, but just the, don't hurt him. I love this man, please." And it was a the very interesting way from for Danielson to be so defensive and making sure Regal doesn't get hurt and. Eventually, Moxley gets on mic, says, your lordship. It's like, I only want one thing from you right now. I want you to run. Run far away, as far away as you can. Don't you ever come back. Right now, walk. Keep on walking. And he just tells Regal to get out of the ring before he does something bad. Like, Mox is literally on the ropes, holding himself back. From doing something that he might regret. Regal leaves. Danielson leaves. That's the end of the segment. And it was a hell of an opening segment. Like We don't get that too often from AEW. Where a segment opens things up. As opposed to a match. But this. This was really good. And it was also a really good way. To like continue this story. Without Max being there. And. Because I know people would want to hear from Max immediately after a moment like that. But with him not being there, like Regal doing this segment and then Moxley and Danielson's involvement, like, outstanding. I loved this opening moment. Yes. uh, It was, uh, this segment was very good. The whole Brian Danielson. It's confusing, I will say. Still, yeah, it went went a little awry, but it was like it added a very real and emotional tie to it. That Brian Danielson, like, I know he did something bad. I know he screwed you over, but it doesn't change what he's done the rest of his life. He deserves another chance, and it was a perfect excuse for. Mox not to drop him on his already badly damaged neck. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, you know, Regal can't get physically involved. So it ended up being a perfect reason to not get involved. But I thought there was some emotion in this. Uh, I really did think William Regal is always better as a heel. I mean, yeah, I mean, he just is. He's one of the best villains of all time. He's called the gentleman villain. 
this is what he does. He does it great. The Mox thing was straight out of an action movie. Straight out of an action movie. You get to the villain and it's like, dude, I could just take you out. Boom, like this. Just run. Always be looking over your shoulder. Always be scared. I'm going to end you. It really did remind me of the Pulp Fiction when uh, Marcellus, I think it's Wallace, is that was his name? But he told uh, Bruce Willis's character that you lost your uh, you lost your California or Los Angeles privileges, and told him to just basically run away, like go away. And it was just this moment, almost like a western. It's just so many different uh, powerful different uh, situations that you can take from it. How angry Mox was, you know, when you meet somebody that screwed you over, and how Brian Danielson not just begged for him, begged for his life. And that was just, it was just an amazing moment. It was. I will definitely want to see exactly, like, how much this goes on with Danielson, like, continuing to, like, if he's going to, like, just keep Moxley away from Regal at all times. I'm curious about that and, like, how that'll develop. But still, this was extremely interesting. And it was just, it was must-watch TV in that regard. We then had uh, Keith Lee get interviewed backstage Swerve interrupts it, and he said, Keith Lee's like, literally, like, you be careful right now. Choose your words wisely. And then Swerve just goes and blocks the camera. He's like, listen, let's talk. And that was the end of that. We then move off to the All-Atlantic Championship match where we had freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy face off against Jake Hager, um, the man who loves his purple hat. Um, I like my hat. He loves that hat, man. Uh, and this was good. This was a good little, uh, for this being the first match, you know, you get some people that, that in the ring that people, that AEW fans are really uh, fond to. Orange Cassidy running with the All-Atlantic Championship has been a lot of fun. Uh, Hager had a nice little performance as well. There was a moment where um, Orange Cassidy was in the ankle lock, but then uh, proceeds to knock his uh, purple bucket hat off of his head, and then he was like, no, and he goes to get the hat, and that's when uh, Jake Hager proceeds to get hit with the orange punched and rolled up, and that's how Jake Hager lost. He cared so much about how he liked that hat that he didn't care about winning the goddamn championship. So I thought that was really funny, honestly. So Jake, and it's like Jake has been become this. He's been his com- comedy has been great. Remember at first he would just come in and just yell stuff. In the middle of the uh, promo. Oh, yeah. They got a kick out of that. And Remember now, his poetry? Yes. And now it's the hat. The hat has given Jake Hager the personality that he has been missing. It's a hat. And it's so great because how he just he's just a guy, big guy, that just wants to wear his hat. I think that's the thing, too, about Hager throughout his entire career is that the fact that I feel like most of the time, like, you know, serious Jake Hager or serious Jack Swagger. Like, even when he was the world champion, I always found it was the weirdest thing in the world when he won the world championship, like the world heavyweight championship after WrestleMania 26, and he cashed in money in the bank and won it. Like, he went from being the loudmouth, like, crazy, like, like wild big man that he was to being somber and silent and serious. It was weird. It was a character change that made no sense to me about him because I think the more serious you make Hager or swagger, the less entertaining he can be because even I will say when he was in AEW and he was originally just brought in for the, uh, Jericho for the, uh, inner circle in that regard, like MMA Jake Hager, 
like it was fine. You got your one MMA match out of it, which was at least an entertaining idea. Um, but whenever Hager would have an outburst, because like, listen, eh, like Hager is good for some of the best outbursts, I think, in wrestling that just come out of fucking left field. Like he'll just come out with some sort of little bite. That you will like hold on to. I guess like the way that I could kind of. uh, I guess I could describe it in this way. And it's not an insult. I promise you this. But Jake Hager to me. Is a is similar to. uh, (laughs) He's similar to Sid. Like Psycho Sid. And. uh, uh, Steiner. Like Rick Steiner. uh, But much better wrestler. Than both of those two. But, like, the way that this man can just come out with just gems of just entertaining, like, whether it be comedy or just moments that this guy comes out of out of nowhere. And he's a big guy who can do a lot of great wrestling things, but, like, better than those two. But just the thing that you go to with him is that he's just entertaining. Like, you you know why this guy was in WWE for as long as he was, because he's just entertaining. Um, and I enjoyed seeing him in this position. Um, however, after the match, when, uh, Hager lost and, uh, OC retained the title, the factory come out and surround the ring, the lights go out after QT's mark, QT's mic stops working. Julia Hart on the ramp, house of black immediately in the ring, lay waste to the best friends, Rocky Romero, Orange Cassidy, and then proceed to take out the factory, wait, lay waste to everybody. And then that's when Malachi Black says, members of the House of Black, please rise. And then lights go out and they disappear. So the entire House of Black, including our boy Malachi Black, is back in AEW. We can stop with the rumors that he's jumping to to WWE or all that whole nonsense and having him continue to complain about how people are reporting bullshit. He's back. And I'm so glad to see these three back. And Julia. Loved seeing Julia back, too. Yes, and I just loved how there was a heel faction and a face faction in the ring, and they beat everybody up. They don't care. It's set the standard that it's the House of Black versus everyone. They are, and it, it, it reset the characters, because I feel like the first House of Black, even though they were popular, they had no direction, you know? they had no direction so with them going away and resetting tony can come back with an actual direction for them and you like they were wildly popular kind of directionless just trying to fight everybody and now if they come back with a goal maybe it's the trios title maybe it's the tag team titles maybe it's malachi trying to get the uh uh atlantic all atlantic title with the other two trying to get the tag belts whatever it is they're coming back with a goal, and every angle works better when the person has a direction. No question. But with my comparison, I will ask you, what did you think of my comparison for Jake Hager? Dude, I loved your comparison for Jake Hager. Okay, because I was going to say, I didn't know if I was crazy for thinking like that, but that's that's the way I see it with him. Yeah, you see, Jake Hager, the thing about him is he's tough. He looks tough. He always had to look. He always had to look. The first moment you see Jake Hager, you're like, that's a professional wrestler. That's a tough guy. But professional wrestling is not just about the look. It's about the look and the personality, right? And these weirdly things, these things, yelling, the hat, 
it gives them a personality that softens them and makes people actually either care or want to see them on the screen. I know there's a lot of people that are like, I just want them off my screen, but I, okay, and I always say this, I am biased. I am completely biased when it comes to Dick Hager. He's from Oklahoma. I root for everybody from Oklahoma. That's how it works when it comes to sports. I don't, don't get into political and all that stuff. But if you're in sports and you're from Oklahoma, I root for you. Right, so I root for Hager no matter what. I root for Rebel no matter what. So I was gonna root for him no matter what. But the fact is, I'm seeing people kind of come around on him with the hat, and I just think that's pretty dope. Absolutely. We then had the finals of the men's world title eliminator tournament between All Eagle Ethan Page and Absolute w- Ricky Starks, with the winner facing off against MJF for in a world title match at whenever it's coming, and Ethan Page. Comes into this match fresh. Ricky Starks is all taped up and all injured up, and Ethan Page would just work that for the entire entire match. Uh, and it was majority like pretty much almost the entire match was Ethan Page up until like the final moments, like pretty much everything. Like there was once like Starks got a superplex off of the top rope at one point, and also had a swinging net breaker and was starting to really put things in there. But then Ethan Page was again going at him again power bombed him and nearly pinned him off of that and then when he eventually tried to go for the ego's edge starks was able to get out of it he got three total spears on the on the match and after two straight spears which led up which led to the third one uh ricky starks got the pinfall win he will face off against mjf for the aw world championship at winter is coming and i think for mjf i think i like a lot about what this first little match could be because it gets an, it's a nice little match for Rick, for MJF to retain them, retain his belt and all that kind of stuff, but they can cut good promos against each other. So like, at least you can give the match a little bit more like of an edge. I feel like you don't need it to be like a, Oh, well here's the first guy MJF beats on the road to his title reign continuing. Like you put these guys with a mic in each other's hands. I think you can at least, give the match a bit of an edge uh, that I think uh, it could really use to just give it that little extra, I feel like. Absolutely. Uh, thing about Ricky Starks is, like, no one expects him to beat MJF. No one does. You know, it's going to be the first defense. It's the first, def- uh, yeah. But Ricky Starks has this baby face in peril, uh, coming back, getting overwhelmed. He has this thing down to a science. He plays it well, and it's going to work perfectly with who MJF is. The big thing is that no matter what MJF does, he'll hit him with the finisher. He'll hit him with the he'll hit him with the the, uh, the knucks, or he'll hit him with that. Ricky's gonna keep coming, and Ricky's gonna keep coming, and it's gonna frustrate MJF. And it's gonna be a very simple story to tell, and it's gonna be a beautiful match. I'm glad I'm gonna be there, but in this match. Very much, he played the same role. It was just like he just got punished and punished and punished. And no matter what Ethan could do, he couldn't keep him down. And it wasn't that Ricky was better than Ethan Page. It's that Ricky, there was nothing Ethan Page can do to keep him down. Ricky Page, uh, Ricky uh, was going to keep coming. So I do like this story. I do like him as an amazing first opponent for MJF. Yeah, I think it'll be really entertaining to see how uh, how that match goes. But... We move on then to a the little bit of a side thing, which was the fact that they showed the video footage of 
TBS champion Jade Cargill getting in Bow Wow's face. And they were interviewed about it, basically. And Jade said, listen, there's going to be a celebration next week about how she retrieved her TBS championship. And uh, Kira Hogan got relieved of her duties of being a baddie. So Kira Hogan, bye. Um, And I think, was she the one that was, like, carried out, uh, like, kicking and screaming from the Bow Wow thing? I couldn't remember. If it was her, I believe so because I remember blue hair and she has the. Because I was gonna say, if she was the one that got kicked out, then like, listen, if you're gonna get carried out and like full on, like made to look like that against Bow Wow security, like you can't, you got no leg to stand on. I'm sorry, like I'm sorry, like you got no leg to stand on. So maybe you can get your way back into there, but I'm sorry, Kira, it's time to move on. Yeah. So, but, yeah, Kara is out. That's crazy. Yeah. Next, the best of seven series match number two between the Elite and Death Triangle. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, this match was, again, another great performance from all six men. Um, it was overshadowed, of course, of what we talked about last week. Fuck the Elite. Chicago represent, baby. Chicago represent. So much so that on being the elite this week, uh, the elite named the episode F the Elite and just said, like, well, if they don't respect us, then we're going to cheat, basically, backstage, continuing to play into it. And that's what they tried to do. They, once again, they had, they tried to use that hammer that that Pac is so infatuated with during the match. Um, and they tried to use it to the point where Matt was so uh, – because also they hit a low blow when on pack when uh, Rick Knox was distracted. The hammer was slid in from Brandon Cutler. Matt grabbed it, was too busy, like almost like making love to the hammer that he failed to realize that Penta was right behind him, had his own hammer, and proceeds to hit Matt Jackson in the head with it. And then Pack goes ahead and pins it. And Death Triangle, 2-0 lead against the Elite – Sweep them. Just sweep them. Like, please. Like, it'd be the funniest thing in the world for me and only me if you swept them. Uh, but regardless, again, this was um, – this. I thought this was going to be my favorite match of the night. I really thought it was going to be. But I, I want to talk about that one later down the road. Uh, but this was really good. Again, I don't expect a bad match from anybody in this ring. Like, they, I don't think anybody in this ring is incapable of having a bad match as far as my knowledge. I can't think of one. Um. But yeah, no. Um, also, Pac had a had a mask on for this match, which they uh, proceeded to remove because I think the elite are just incapable of not ripping, trying to rip a mask off. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I'm not talking about CM Punk. I'm, I refuse. Oh, so let me talk about Chicago. Represent, y'all. Hey, I uh... come on, man. Come on, man. All I got to say is this reaction from Chicago, one of the hottest cities in the country, doesn't tell you that the uh, Mr. Phil Brooks should be making a return to AEW? Then nothing is. Nothing does. And I'll move on from that. I just wanted to say that. The match was epic. I mean, it's the Young Bucks and Young Bucks and uh, Lucha Bros. It was like, again... The beginning of AEW, I was like, I can't wait to see these people wrestle. And it's one of those things, when you're truly talented and truly just can go out there and mix it up and really put your match together, 
no match is going to look alike. And that's how I feel about the uh, Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks and Death Triangle and the Elite is that no match, even though they've put this match on twice, I felt like the first match and the second match were completely different. Even though it came down to the kind of the last spot, it got there in such a completely different way that the match was just still amazingly entertaining. I'm like, dude, you, you're talking about a match that literally ended with a hammer spot and people are just like four and a half stars. Generally, if you look at how people are so uh, critical of wrestling, like anything that ends with any kind of schmoz or what, there's no way you're going to get four stars. But the Elite and Lucha Bros or Death Triangle are on such a different level that those rules don't apply to them. This match was another one to add to the library of just great matches. Uh, the ending was entertaining. Uh, the GTS, the the flip over uh, Buckshot Lariat where he falls on his ass. Everything added the to biting. The, the, the biting. Everything made this match unique. And it's something you're not going to see in the third match. You're not going to see in the fourth match. This was unique to the second match. Now, think about all the series you've ever watched in sports. How many Game 2s do you remember? You know what I mean? But I'm going to always remember this match, too, because they made it its own match. People are like, oh, they went over the top. No, they gave the fans what they came for. If they never do anything like this again, I could understand it because this audience, this this performance was for that Chicago audience. Is it going to play in Indianapolis the same way? No, but it was specifically for that Chicago audience and it killed and they killed. And, you know, even if you don't want to talk about the other guy, it still killed as a performance. I don't know. And it got people talking. Absolutely. Like I'm, I just, I want to move on. I've said it from jump street. Yeah. I want to move on. I'm just going to let you know that three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, Bruce Pritchard and I think it was Jim Cornette got together and did a podcast over the Montreal Screwjob that literally happened when you were like two. No, that was in '97. I was I, Montreal Screwjob. I wasn't. I wasn't even one. You wasn't even one. So think about that. Wrestling fans don't let shit go ever. They're never letting this go. Long after I'm gone and you're still here, there's going to be podcasts about Brawl Out. <sighs> Couldn't have been with anybody else. Yeah. Anybody just, else. I'm just saying, it's just wrestling. And that's the one thing. It was like Kenny Omega did the thing and he said, let it go. And I was like, say you don't understand wrestling without saying you don't understand wrestling. And then I realized he was trolling all of us. Cause Kenny Omega got me. I don't want to have to say it, but he got me. Because he, he, he said, let it go, and then he played right into it the whole time, and I loved it. All right. Anyways, we then had the massive announcement about how Thunder Rosa was uh, agreeing to a mutual agreement with AEW to relinquish the AEW Women's World Championship, and Jamie Hader, no longer interim, is your AEW Women's Champion, and Britt Baker immediately took the microphone from JB saying, we were never even considering the term interim. Um, and again, it was a huge moment. We mentioned it a little bit last week. 
Um, and I'm I'm very excited to see this because honestly, like again, um, while I understand it, the interim usage is just you know, it's tiresome just because the conversation around it is is bleh. Um, and I understand why they use it, and I get get it to an extent, but I feel like wrestling fans have decided, you know what? If the main champion isn't going to be on the card, then just put it up for vacancy. So I need uh, two shirts. I need a Tony Storm. Uh, title Town Tony or uh, and new T-shirt uh, with Tony Storm having the belt, and then I need a Jamie Hader with her having a belt. Hey, because that's how it works. Once you get a championship, you get a shirt with you having the belt on it. I already got yes. my MJF one on the way. So if they are real champions, the only way to prove they're real champions is with a shirt. shirt. With a shirt, that's how you. That's how. You prove that you're a champion AEW. I have a shirt that says I was the champion. There you go. Well, we then moved on to a three-way tag match between Ty Mello and Anna JAS uh, versus Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue versus Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I mean, this was fine. It was all the women getting on the match, basically, on the card before the main event. Uh, this is typical of what we tend to see from AEW with women's matches. Um, I like the fact that Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue were included in there, but they felt like an afterthought, as did um, Ty Mello and Anna, AJ, Anna JAS as well. Um, but regardless, big win for uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, uh, getting your women, new women's champion uh, on the card, at least in a way. Um, and still, you know, Britt and, and Jamie are still tight-knit, at least for now. We'll see how long that lasts, but this was fine, I felt like. This was something that happened on the show. Boom. Yes. There you go. That's all I have to say. All right. There you go. Anyways, we uh, we go through and we then had a little announcement, uh, which we'll talk about as well on a rampage about what your boys FTR are doing and how they basically were impressed with Top Flight. And uh, they were like, you know what? Why don't uh, Darius mentions put those Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles on the line at Rampage? And FTR agrees, so they were going to defend those tag titles on Rampage. So we at least got a match of FTR. Thank God. Oh, Top Flight's been good. FTR's going to try to make them great. So, uh, no. There you go. FTR getting booked. Dude, Rampage has been there this whole time. Just book FTR on Rampage every week. I would be totally fine with it. Give them, like, their 15, 20-minute tag team of the week match. Let them beat somebody up, drop them on their head, and call it a day. FTR should be on my TV every week. You know why? Not for selfish reasons. Not for my selfish reasons. Because they want to be on TV. They want to work. It's like one of the top tag teams in your company wants to work. Let them work. <laughs> it's like you gave freaking FT, you gave the Elite and Death Triangle seven matches. And you say you can't find time every week? For FTR, let's go. Yeah, no excuse. Okay. All right. We then had a little segment with the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Acclaimed, uh, coming out with Daddy Ass. Basically, all it amounted to was, hey, Daddy Ass no longer needs the bandages. He can scissor like normal. Uh, then you had Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh, and Jeff Jarrett interrupt them. And Daddy Ass was like, get that old man off my screen. And uh, there were fuck TNA chants. Lovely. And uh, Daddy Ass himself said, scissor me, Daddy Ass. So he referred to scissoring in the third person, which I thought was quite interesting. 
Um, and yeah, this is just a nice little fun segment to get the acclaimed on the show. So fans can be happy and see the acclaimed because, you know, everybody loves the acclaimed. Uh, it was, it was fine. It was there. Yeah, it was there. It, it this is just like, nah, okay. It was, yep. it was fun. Now, it was entertaining. It didn't make me want to turn the channel, but I am not going to, I don't yeah, have a lot I mean, to, it's, it's, it's I not have. like, it's not a segment that's like, you know, I don't me- have a lot It's not a memorable segment, which yeah. again, it's, it, it wasn't designed to be. Though, yeah. So. Main event time, though. The Ring of Honor World Championship between uh, the Ocho, Chris Jericho, and Tomohiro Ishii. Oh! <laughs> Ishii beat the shit out of Jericho. Like, chopped this man to death to the point where his chest was bleeding. Like, blood just coming out of this man's chest. It was ridiculous like the damage that jericho took in this match fucking blew me away but then also too again uh ishii also took uh, a good amount of damage as well as there was a point where uh jericho was hit on the apron jericho hit ishii on the apron with the ddt um and yeah there was just oh my god it, like him blocking the judas effect and going for the big fucking headbutt onto jericho was crazy um, he also hit a codebreaker of his own on Jericho, which was nuts. Um, but eventually, though, uh, Ishii gets uh, put in the Lion Tamer, and he's forced to tap out. And uh, eventually, though, Claudio Castagnoli comes out and keeps uh, Jericho away from trying to get his hands on Ian Riccoboni once again. And that is your match for uh, Final Battle. You will get... Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World Championship. A rematch for Final Battle. It is official. That is what you get. This match fucking killed just because Ishii's a fucking... He's just a monster. Like, I, it's like, oh, I love seeing Ishii on my television screen. He's just fucking mental. Yeah, so he chopped a man's chest open. Uh, insanity! Yes, with... Uh, with his uh, hand, and that was such an amazing visual. Again, you talk about wrestling, and it's like you talk about ma- things that make each match unique. You're not probably not going to see this again. You know no. what I mean? You're probably not going to see a man chop a man's chest open till it bleeds. Because you have wrestlers saying they've never seen this. Brian Danielson, if you go on... The AEW, <laughs> he was cutting a promo out. He'd never seen uh, this before. I mean, a lot of people have rightfully called, rightfully called um, uh, Ishii one of the best wrestlers in the world. And if he doesn't prove it, like, you know, every time he steps out in the ring, he does. He, I've literally never seen an Ishii match I didn't like. And that's the biggest compliment anybody can get, I can give. Is like I've never seen him not do amazing. So, yeah. So, yeah. Tomohiro Ishii killed it. He very much, he very much did. But that closed out AEW Dynamite Thanksgiving Eve. Um, it was a good show. I felt like honestly, it was. It wasn't necessarily the biggest show that they could have done, but again, it, it rode off of the back of that amazing first segment. The insanity that was the the second match in the best of seven series because that Chicago crowd wanted blood, um, and then Ishii and Jericho killing each other. Yeah, um, everything. It was the comeback show for me. It was the uh, 
aftermath of um what was it uh full gear so that's another good thing about it and dude like let's you know it just does not feel like that it was that short ago to full gear full gear full it's crazy ago. yeah so no um yeah it was a really good show yeah, uh, over to Rampage, you opened it with your Ring of Honor champion, tag team champions, FTR, defending against top flight. So I love the fact that they got on and they were immediately leading off the show. And yeah, I mean, like, Floyd, do you want to take this over since you can go ahead and gush about your guys and then so, I'll speak on this next? So if you understand Rampage, uh, it's no secret. This is not insider information. It's shot in reverse. The main event goes on first, you know. So the main event, even even though Mark Henry says it's time for the main event at the end, the most important match of the show goes on first. We get FTR and top to, to, top flight. Uh, you know, this is the thing about FTR and as far as the young and difference between them, Young Bucks or any other tag team. Their matches are pretty much to tell the story that they need to tell in that match. Is all their matches going to be super flashy? No. But they're always going to be well executed. This match told the story that Top Flight is really, 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 really good at wrestling. And that they're just not on FTR's level yet. Like, there wasn't a lot of pin tie, like uh, close pinfalls on uh, Top Flight's part. Every time they tried to get the advantage, they got their spots, but every time they tried to get the advantage, FTR would just take them out. And then in the end, Big Rig, go home. So, very good match. Really excited that Dante's back. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. It's, I always get them. Darius? Darius. Darius is back. I'm really excited Darius is back. I think Top Flight could very much be the tag team of the future if they could stay healthy. They, they were, uh, so hopefully they can just stay healthy and be great. But this was a, just a well-executed, beautiful match. Got to see uh, Cash do a little flying. Got to see... Uh, top Flight do their thing, and you got to see a lot of reasons why they're the best tag team in the world, but also why you, you also saw the building blocks of what Top Flight does. So when the next time Top Flight flights FTR, it'll be a closer match, and then eventually they'll beat FTR, but this was the basic start of a long feud, uh, not even a long feud, a long uh, journey for Top Flight to eventually be the top tag team in AEW. Very, very good match. Very solid match. I'm not going to say it was five stars. It really wasn't. But, you know, it wasn't. It was a really solid match. It was a very entertaining match. And that's what you're going to get every time FTR goes out there. And that's what it appropriate. A five-star match wasn't appropriate for the story that they were telling this week. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it, it just wasn't. It, was just, it wasn't. Like, five stars is like the big, big blow-off matches is what you save when... FTR's the tag team champions. Top Flight is on a streak. They're doing a main event at Revolution. And it's, you know, well, not a regular, but they're having a big title match at Revolution. And it's Top Flight trying to take that last step. That's when you leave it out on the table. This one set the standard for what will be future matches. Yeah, and again, it was it was good. It was really, really good. It was a great FTR tag match. Um and Top Flight, again, being able to see them together and doing good matches as well is exceptional because, again, I like Dante Martin a lot. He can do unreal things. The character just isn't there for me. And um, having Darius back to be able to have Top Flight be a thing 
um, works so much better. Because as a tag team, I think, again, Dante is so much more well-suited because, A, I think it's safer for them to work because they can then be, like, you know, taking intervals in their work. Um, and it just allows them to bounce off each other, I think, a lot better. But, um, yeah, this was a really good first match. Uh, afterwards, when uh, FTR got the big rig and won it, the gun club walk out on stage. They applaud. They're trying to get under FTR's skin, continuing this feud. Um, and, yeah, we'll be excited to see how this goes as well. We then had... Uh, uh, I, did, I do want to throw this out there. I, I want the ass boys and FTR to happen. It's I, going to. I feel like Adventure at some point. I don't want it to happen at Final Battle. I just don't think no. it's big enough for Final Battle. You've had your first match at Final Battle was the Briscoes, five stars. The second match at Final Battle was a two out of three fall with the Briscoes, five stars. Going to the Ass Boys and understand, or the Guns, I love Colton and Austin. They are amazing. They have not reached that level where they should be in this match with them after those first two matches at Ring of Honor. You've set a standard for Ring of Honor tag team matches. I don't think the guns can live up to that standard. Am I wrong? Can I be wrong? Absolutely. I could be wrong. They can knock it out. I just don't think them in their current presentation are ready yet. And there's the kingdom there's other you could do another dream match. There's so much else you could do. I just don't want I don't want the guns put in a position to fail. Where people sure. just don't care about the match. And I do think if you put that on the Ring of Honor after what you've had already this year with FTR, no one will care. No, yeah. I um I think that for sure um it's gonna be uh very much uh needed that it's going to have to happen somewhere outside of uh, final battle. Cause I think, yeah, seeing the guns against FTR, it's not, especially considering the last FTR ring of honor pay-per-view match we got was Briscoe's. Yeah. You can't go from the Briscoe's to the guns. Yeah. I'm sorry. The only way I could see it working is it ends up being a triple threat match and FTR, like all uh, the guns pin the other team. But I don't think, you know, I don't just don't think you want to put, I don't think you want to f- do this right now. I just don't think it's the right spot. I don't mind FTR losing. I don't really, you know, like I said, results of FTR, honestly, as much as I joke, don't really matter to me. I just like to watch my team wrestle. But it just seems like you're putting people in a spot to fail if you don't put a better tag, a bigger tag team. Bigger, not better. Because like I said, you don't really know how good the guns are. They could go out there and throw out a match, but you need... You need a bigger name to draw people to buy the show. Right. Yeah, so moving on then, we then had uh, a celebration basically, uh, meeting basically with uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, Jericho with Parker, Menard, uh, Guevara, Garcia, and Hager. Basically, we just him continuing to build about how he's the greatest Ring of Honor world champion of all time. He's beaten everybody, bled for this title. But not even Claudio Castagnoli could come out on this stage and give him a cheap shot. Uh, so is he asks who's going to be the person who uncrowns the King of Ring of Honor. Claudio comes out and says, listen, you asked if there was any doubt that you are the greatest Ring of Honor champion. He said, there's no doubt in my mind that I know you're not. I know you can beat you. I've beaten you twice. But, you know, I've started doubting myself when it counts. But he came here to be the best professional wrestler that he could be. 
and he knows he is the best whenever he doesn't doubt himself. So he doesn't just need to beat him. He has to beat Chris Jericho. And he said, listen, maybe you should be worried about, you know, your BCC team falling apart at the seams. He said, see, that's my problem. I can't focus on anything else because I lost to you six days ago. Um, so he needs that shot. So this is when they eventually were pushing it to have uh, this whole ha- thing happen, basically. Uh, and eventually it just finally comes down to saying final battle. He said he's going to throw him around like a little kid and ring the Ring of Honor World Championship. Um, and then, honestly, like, moving on from it, nothing else happened on the show. I, like, you had Darby Allen being uh, Anthony Henry. You had uh, Lexi Nair uh, uh, interviewing Athena, basically challenging uh, the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion Mercedes Martinez. Sheeta comes out and wrestles, and then we get into that main event of uh the dark order <laughs> and what happened in that regard um so we we need to get to that i feel like so we'll jump all the way into that because dark order with john silver alex reynolds and preston vance faced off against roosh the butcher and the blade and eventually though what ends up happening is uh there is a moment where uh 10 comes in gets in the face of roosh and like literally, like they come out and ten the the entrance happened. Ten was nowhere to be found, so they were they were two on three in that that point. Ten eventually finally gets into the ring near the end of the match, gets into Roosh's face, and then just beats the shit out of John Silver. And then Butcher and the Blade then come out. They take out Evil Uno. Roosh proceeds to pin John Silver. Ten just starts knocking the shit out of. Uh, Alex Reynolds, Evil Uno's mask gets ripped off, and then they choke slammed Alex Reynolds to death through a timekeeper's table. As they're walking up the ramp, though, negative one is there, and Preston rips off the 10 mask and throws it at negative one, and he's just standing there, like kneeling down, and he's just distraught. And I'm just like, wow, we're we're doing this, huh? I'm like, wow. Like, this was a big, a crazy moment that happened on Rampage. And the one thing that I think everyone's talking about from Rampage. Uh, and I saw this, I was just like, holy shit, y'all did this. Y'all really did this. It was an earlier start time for Rampage. So they got, they definitely were able to get at least less, more, uh, more people to see this on socials. Because uh, it wasn't late at night when it happened. And I was just like, god damn, what a fucking way to close out a Rampage. So, Floyd, I'll go to your thoughts. Dude, this was a big moment. It was almost a moment that's needed for the Dark Order. Uh, like, they've just kind of fallen apart piece by piece by piece, piece, people leaving piece by piece. Uh, the crown jewel of the Dark Order, the guy that was supposed to be the future of the Dark Order. I wouldn't even call the leader, but kind of the heir apparent. The guy that Brody Lee picked. Ten. His guy, 10. I mean, negative one calls him his big brother. Turned on the legacy. Took off the mask that Brody Lee gave him. Threw it down at negative one's feet. After destroying the rest of the Dark Order, the group that they said it was always... uh, The group that was uh, always going to be together... You know, he broke them up. 
And yeah, it's uh, it, it's sad. It's it, it's it, but it's needed because Preston Vance, if you've ever seen him, the dude's put together. The dude is put together on another level, and he's uh just on this. He just this uh, he's on the trajectory to be great, and mm -hmm. he had outgrown the a dark order. Like he had outgrown the dark order, and it was time for him to move on. I like that where he moved on. Uh, you know, it's probably gonna be if uh, Andrade come back. You want to talk about one of the jacked, most jacked factions in wrestling? Yeah, that group one of the most jacked factions in wrestling. But it was big monumental moment. It had people talking about Rampage. A big moment happened on yeah. Rampage. It had people talking about it. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, that Rampage had something that was uh, noteworthy enough to talk about. So that that was huge. It was genuinely huge for Rampage. Um, but yeah, so uh, that is a huge momentum thing for at least the Dark Order to have something happen because they were always just that 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 thing where it's like you know okay you know. We're glad to see that you guys are here and you know that, but like, what do you offer other than just being, you know, making people feel, feel happy and all that kind of stuff? You know what I mean? Uh, and you know, it's, it was definitely needed for sure. It was definitely needed. It it, uh, it had become a point of comedy that when they got a title shot, you knew they weren't going to win. Yeah, you just knew it. You absolutely knew that they weren't going to win whenever they got involved in anything. So Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, it was just like, like, I even said it. I was like, they really just need to win one match so you just don't dismiss them winning. Exactly. So, I I think it's definitely needed. I'm interested to see exactly what happens because I don't know what, what happens from this point onward and, like, how they're going to use this. Um, but I'm at least happy that something happened with the Dark Order because they needed something to happen. But overall, I think that's going to close things out, though, for uh, our AEW reviews for this week. Now for the Indianapolis Dynamite that's happening tonight, uh, Willow Nightingale versus Anna JAS was announced. We have the Jade Cargill Championship celebration where, if we're being honest, most likely Bow Wow shows up. So we'll Bow see how wow, that goes I'm out. thinking Kira Hogan. I'm thinking two other women. I think... You're going to get a faction to go against the baddies. We'll see how that goes. But um, the third match of the best of seven series, Death Triangle versus the Elite. We will hear from MJF. He will be back. The brand new AEW world champion will be on television first time since he won the belt. And then Brian Danielson goes one-on-one -on -one for the first time ever against Dax, the Axe, Hardwood. Hardwood and... Uh, yeah, uh, that is going to be match of the night, probably. Unless the Elite and Death Triangle just want to go balls to the wall once again. But I know Floyd, especially, I know you're looking forward to that match. Yeah, well, you see, I put it on last because I was like, you know. There's your I, main event. I mean, Death Triangle versus the Elite probably going to be the actual main event. But Brian Danielson and Dax Harwood is my main event. Uh, Dax has had an incredible year. He has literally felt like he's wrestled everybody from Ka even Cash to Punk to Adam Cole and to like all the people that he's went through. And it's just like one of his dream opponents was Brian Danielson. He said it in many interviews that it was his dream opponent. One of the people he wanted to watch. He said it in a Rampage inter uh, interview. 
He said he was going to shoot a shot. You know, I want to wrestle Brian Danielson. And it's so awesome that it's happening for him. I mean, like, he got to tag uh, Bret Hart. Or, 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 you know, I was at the show where Bret Hart managed him in a match. Then he got to tag Ricky the Dragon Stingboat in what a lot of people think is going to be his last match. Now he gets to wrestle. In the week of the dragon, he gets to wrestle the other dragon, the American dragon, Brian Danielson. It's going to be a hard-hitting match. Expect a lot of kicks, expect a lot of chops. And honestly, let's be real. If you, you look at the tr- uh, track record of Dax this year, expect him to tap out at some point. Yeah, ex- expect that. Because he's very, literally very... lost every match <laughs> that he's had except Cash. Except <laughs> Cash, he's lost every match. I just That's what I always tell people. I'm like, I know everybody's going to do their thing. Some people like to watch wrestling like in sports. I'm rooting for my guy. I always want my guy to win. I have no problem with you doing that. Me, I watch wrestling more like theater and art. Like, I want to go see a Denzel Washington movie because Denzel Washington's in the movie, right? If yes. Denzel dies in the movie, I still watch the Denzel Washington movie. I'm okay with that, right? That's how I feel about FTR, right? Right. If Dax loses, right? As long as he's healthy at the end of the match and he put, gets to put on performance that he wants to, I got to see my guy work. And that's what I want to do. I got to see him do what he loves to do, what he does as good as anybody in the world. And if not better, then I got to see him do that. That makes me happy. You know? Yeah. And I know some people are like, my guy doesn't win. There wasn't a reason to watch it. You know what I mean? I can't. Right. I can't. I've watched wrestling too long <laughs> and have honestly rooted for a lot of people that lose all the time. Too much, yes. <laughs> too much to say. That's what I want to see. I, I just want to see my people perform and be able to put on good matches. And that's what I'm going to get tomorrow. We're going to get Dax versus Darren Danielson. It's going to be the dragon versus the axe. It's going to be a good match. Now, if Dax, you know, rolls up, Brian Danielson puts him in a sharpshooter and makes him tap out. I will jump up out of my chair and be like shocked and be like, yes, because literally he loses all the time. So I will be really shocked when he actually wins a singles match on AEW TV because he's actually won a singles match in New Japan. He just never wins on AEW. No. Yeah. He, he just never, never wins in that regard. But, uh, that is that is what we got looking forward for us tonight. We have a couple things that we need to mention, uh, including how uh, AEW seems to not like Floyd and his plans for the holidays. Floyd, can you explain this, please? We'll get into our news and notes now. So here we are in the middle of my beautiful Christmas season, my time of giving. And there are two things I have been waiting for since AEW announced that they put the world title. Two things I've been waiting for. One was that AEW Cody's TNT belt with the red strap. The other being FTR or the tag team belts from AEW. Um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, AEW decided that right in the middle of the Christmas season is the time to uh, uh, to allow a pre to a pre order of the AEW tag team titles. And that is so, it's like, okay, if you were offering it and I could buy it and I could get it before Christmas or somebody could get it for Christmas, this is great. No, you're going to buy it 
You're going to be like, hey, I got you this Christmas present. You get to open it in April. What? That's what it is. $5.99 for one belt. Uh, two, uh, $9.99 for two belts, which is a great deal. Uh, I was doing the math wrong. I was like, so if you buy two separate belts, that's $1,200. If you just buy the one, it's 1000 So if you are uh, resourceful enough that you have anybody else that you know that wants to buy a belt, absolutely. And I mean, absolutely. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell them, hey, let's buy these belts together and you'll save $100 a belt. But for me, who money, I wouldn't say it's like, Super tight, but like I said, I like to focus December on giving, not not buying. So right. it's just it's a very awkward and annoying time. And they tend to do this for me. Like they did December 9th for um they're doing December 9th for the uh tickets to the San Francisco show. And it's like, okay, again in the middle of Christmas. So now you got that title and the tickets all going on sale in a month where I'm supposed to be, you know giving stuff away right yeah so no the aw hates me they live in my wallet they know i'm gonna give them the money come on just get, spread it out a little bit yes uh it's, i feel bad for you in that regard but yeah but yeah because it's like the 599 is the cheapest this belt's gonna be if you wait you're probably gonna have to pay 750 800 for it because that's how much the probable retail price is gonna be but Right. I don't know. It's just a terrible time. Uh, th- they did have a huge pre-sale window. It is the pre-sales are open till twelve o'clock on December thirty-first. And if their pre-sale goes the way that all the other pre-sales have went, uh, all the other pre-sales have went, uh, it's going to. They're going to even extend it a couple days after that. Uh, they're going to extend it a couple days after that because that's basically what they've done every other time. They've been like, oh, we're going to extend it to two more days. So, hey, I'm going to try to wait. Uh, you know, work gives out bonuses in December. Maybe my bonus is really good and I can take care of it that way. But, yeah, it's 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 a first world problem. I don't need a belt. I, I don't need a belt to live. I understand. <laughs> I, a lot of people are just not buying the belt because they don't have the money I get it this is a whiny person's problem I absolutely understand and if you're already sick of me whining about it I completely understand you but it is very annoying that they put that on sale right now but let's yeah so uh, so Austin and, and you and Sydney will be the tag champs y'all are picking these belts up right uh, we d- are not going to be able to pick those up. I didn't think so. See, because you're normal people. You are normal yeah. humans. What I did do, though, <laughs> I will say this. I did do this because, I'm, I'm again, I'm a petty son of a bitch. Um, I do not own the uh, replica AEW World Championship. But what I did do uh, was because, again, Punk's merch is being sold until they're out of stock uh, is what I'm seeing happening. Uh, I bought the uh, little, like, because you know how they had the custom nameplates for the world title? I bought the CM Punk one in any off chance that I end up getting the world title replica belt, uh, just so that way I have it. You know, if I like, oh, randomly I won the lottery and I can afford the AEW world title belt replica, uh, I'm gonna put the Punk nameplate on there. Is what I would do. But I, like I said, I don't think I'm gonna get it though. Yeah, uh, like I said, I I completely understand. But there was two belts. FTR held the tag belt. Cody held the TNT title. I am a punk fan, don't get me wrong, but I have the chair. You know this. 
I yes. had to tear from every pay-per-view Punk was at, and he's probably not going to be at anymore. So I feel like that's a nice little legacy gift from his uh, sure. time in AEW. And, you know, he does the signings at C2E2. One day I'll get to go. And he'll see this crazy man carrying four chairs for him to sign. <laughs> and he, he'll be like, and I'll be like, yeah, I was there at every one of the shows. These were the chairs I was sitting in. So that'll be a cool moment to have eventually. Uh, the other piece of news is that Muda's last match. We have determined his uh, partners for in his last match. We already knew Sting wanted to be his partner, but his third partner will be Darby Allen. I don't know who they're going against because, you know, I don't remember. Uh, I don't know if that was announced. Was that announced? Do you know? I don't know, actually. Versus, let me, I'm Googling right now. So he's in the last match. Darby Allen last match. Uh, stand, uh, opponents to be announced. So I was right. They weren't announced. Uh, opponents to be announced later. But yeah, that's pretty cool because Moxley at a Forbidden Door uh, press conference, back when press conferences were safe, um, said uh, he just fantasy booked that he had Muda, Darby, and Sting on one side. And it's funny because that is literally coming to fruition. Moxley is not only a world champion, not only the heart and soul of AEW, he's also uh, a fortune teller. You know, he can also see the future. So he should uh, make some money off of that. I wish he yeah. saw the future of Brawl out and stopped a press conference before it started. Yeah, maybe do that. Like, we could have appreciated <laughs> that if you saw the future that far ahead. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. What are you, you going to do? What are you going to do? But that's it. That's all I got, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, then that will do it for this episode of All Things Elite. You guys, thank you so much for sticking with us and joining us every single week for this podcast. We really do appreciate it. Um, I will let you know that um, in two weeks' time, not next week's episode, but the week after, I will not be here. I will be on a cruise with my family for the holidays. Um, so Floyd will have a guest on that show. I just want to let you guys know that so you don't know, like, you know, like, oh, Austin's gone again or whatnot. But uh, that is the reason why I won't be on next week. I'm not next week, the week after next week. So there you go in that regard. Um, but yeah, so uh, you can definitely uh, look forward to uh, that episode because I'm sure Floyd will make it sound amazing. But thank you guys again for sticking with us. Uh, please continue to download this fine show on Google App Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. It really does mean the world to us. You can leave a rating, you can leave a review, and easy. And you can also uh, support us easily by following us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex of the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. With that, I will go ahead and pass it off to Floyd so he can take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Yes, I imagine all of you have turned off the show by now, but for the one person that's <laughs> for the rest of this year until Christmas, I am going to be giving gift ideas. So this year, one gift idea. I got it for my wife this week, and I really wanted to pass it on because I've really enjoyed it. Um, I got a digital picture frame. Like, it's one of those things that you can think is unnecessary until you get one. So I get one. And it has this app, and I load all my pictures on, my wrestling pictures, my wedding pictures on, right? So you, you see them scrolling around with every time thing you have. But it really does 
give your mood a boost. You're sitting there and you're working and I, I do a very mundane job and you're sitting there working and you're trying to, you know, build up, you know, build up your, uh, you're trying to get through and build up your money so you can go on your next trip. And you look to the right or however, wherever you put it, and you see these pictures of these happy times. I got the pictures of my wife. I got pictures of right now, Anthony Agogo. I'm like, and I think about all the fun times, all the friends. Austin and Sydney are definitely on there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Jackie and Tiffany and all the people that mean the world to me. And I see them up there and it literally boosts my mood. When I'm down or like I'm bored or night, I see that and it just literally makes me smile. This is something I never even thought about or considered with a digital picture frame. So if you do have people that you know that struggle and all that stuff, uh, struggle and mental health, all that stuff, I'm not saying this is the fix, but I'm saying it may help a little bit. So look into digital picture frames. I'm using a brand called Aura. Yes, I'm putting over a brand without getting paid for it. Uh, I use a brand named Aura. That's what my wife bought me. I love it. It's about as easiest thing I've ever used. You can actually send emails to like your family members and they can email pictures to you and then to the link and then it'll show up on your digital picture frame. It's so fun. So that is Floyd's gift idea. I actually already have three or four more for the rest of the year. So if you're a terrible gift giver, go ahead and listen to this. And I'm going to give you some good generic ideas. I'm not going to be like, buy them Kenny Omega. No, but yeah, definitely digital picture frame. So I will leave you with that. I will leave you how I always leave you. I'm going to say, have a great holidays. And whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.